time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 91 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton, but most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them, too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? This is Costa Rican again. Again. It's that dark roast Costa Rican we that's are taking, so good. taking advantage of that Costa Rican. Oh, it's delicious. So, are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. Okay, so how is life? How are you doing this week? Life is beautiful. The temperatures are cooler. The chickens are happier. The sheep are way happier. Oh, yeah. 77 over the weekend, 50-something overnight. Oh, love it. Down from 98 and, and like 75 overnight. 79, something oh, like that overnight. Yuck. So it is much more comfortable. Chickens dream weather. Mm-hmm. People dream weather. I mean, it gets warm during the day, but it gets cooler at night. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, the humidity has gone for a few days. Do you have anyone starting to molt? Yes. I felt like some of my people started to molt early. Eclair and Susie the Brahma started to molt. And even before that, the Fayumis did. And I got to tell you, Delilah right now looks like a little Fayumi pincushion. Well, Anastasia has no rump. <laughs> And Drew, <laughs> I picked her up, and she is, like, just dropping some feathers. So the Morans are molting, too. Yeah, they okay. are. But they are, like, summer molters. Remember when Drew stayed with you, I was like, you do not want Anastasia right now. Yeah. Roosters don't have the same kind of a molt as a hen. Yeah. But as long as I've had roosters, I've had my roosters start in July. Like, they'd start dropping their longest sickle feathers, yeah. that sort of thing. But I felt like this was pretty early. But I guess maybe with the Fayumis, if they don't molt early, they're going to be cold if they molt in the fall. Yeah. I think it, I'm right on track. I usually okay. start in August seeing them. Okay. Okay. Then I, so I'm pretty right on track. And the Morans, Drusilla and Anastasia, always molt at like in August. Mm-hmm. So I think Buttercup and Bubbles, the buffs, are also molting a little bit. But yeah. less, they're older. So yeah. they're not going to have such a massive molt. It's hopefully. not that huge catastrophic molt usually. Let's hope right, not. Right. Man, I hate the, that we're moving into that season for mm-hmm. sure yeah so yeah i've been doing that been happy getting the chickens out we're working on the chicken run i'm hopefully going to be done soon yeah i cannot look gorgeous we can get some photos and video up on social media yes Very definitely mm-hmm. for sure it's state fair season too i know but that also means the kids go back to school i'm like half and half i'm like yay the kids go back to school then i'm like oh uh. yeah that means all the hustle and bustle of having to do everything every morning i don't have early. that so i get unadulterated joy in the fall I'm jealous i know sorry jealous man <laughs> oh the other thing is this drops august 23rd oh and what is that my parents 52nd wedding anniversary mm-hmm. so i'd like to wish my parents a happy anniversary you have not killed each other yet <laughs> Very important life goals. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> as you're listening to this. Don't hit each other with a frying ha- pan or anything, please. Oh, my Lord. Happy anniversary, Miss Jackie and Mr. Bob. Okay, so I just want to ask everyone a huge favor. If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. And while you're there, hit that subscribe button. You won't miss an episode. And that really helps us grow also. If you have a friend who loves chickens as much as you do, tell them about the show. You can also share your favorite episodes on social media. You can check out the items we have for sale in our Etsy shop. You can become a patron of the show. Visit patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our show notes, use our affiliate links and codes, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the chicken love box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the mega box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the August box, I absolutely love the chicken pot holders and the Ikea scrub brush. My chickens are going crazy over those grubbly grubs in that box. And the chicken note cards are going to be great to send into school with the teachers. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery, defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog, and don't forget, pre-orders start November 2022 for the spring 2023 season. La, 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 breed spotlight, yes. Well, that very unique introduction is fitting for a very unique chicken. It's very unique. Most people probably have not heard of this chicken, is no. my guess. No, La Flesh. La Flesh. This chicken sounds like a movie title. La Flesh. Coming to a theater near you. Well, <laughs> one could only hope. This is another chicken in big trouble, actually. This is our theme lately. We're just trying to bring awareness to mm-hmm. these chickens that really don't have a voice. Right. You know, they're out there. Well, they have a voice, just not heard. Exactly, yeah. They're out there. They're not common. So we're just trying to make everyone aware of who they are. Well, this is one of the more unique chickens you're ever going to see. Oh, yeah. If you Google it, you're going to know what we mean. Yeah. So La Fleche, it's spelled F-L-E-C-H-E. This is a very old French breed of chicken. Yes. They were developed in France around the town of La Fleche. 
which is in the Le Mans region. Okay. It's hard to pinpoint a time. It looks like they were developed several hundred years ago. And you see all kinds of like little legends about how they got their name. La Flèche means the arrow in French. Okay. Which is very true. I mean, the origin of the word Fletcher comes from people who are arrow makers. Mm-hmm. So, and some people will say they're called La Flèche because that V-comb they have, because it supposedly resembles an arrow. But the reality is, like most other chicken breeds, it comes from the name of the town. Yeah. They are a dual purpose breed. They do not do well when they're bored or confined to very small spaces. I can see that in them. You can see that in their face. They've got very expressive eyes. They can fly. Another thing to remember about them. They can fly. (laughs) Good to know. So essentially, if you want to get involved with keeping La Flèche, they need very large, safe runs to protect them. Yeah, because you don't want a chicken not being happy mentally. Right. I supervise free range. That's Mm -hmm. just mine. I mean, you can unsupervise free range. Whatever anybody wants to do for them is fine. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have this chicken in unsupervised free range, but they would not be happy unless they had a very large space. Right. You could free range them, but you'd have to take some precautions. And you'd have to watch them. You'd have to be there with them, yes. Essentially, they would make a very good homestead breed if the conditions were right. Part of that's probably just building them like a huge aviary. Right. Because they are a good dual-purpose chicken. We're going to tell you a bunch more about that in a minute. The thing to know about the La Flèche is that it is currently listed as critically endangered by the Livestock Conservancy. Um, The poultry census only found around 150 breeding birds in the Mm -hmm. U.S. That is a very small number. So they're like in that top five breeds that are in hot water. Yeah. And that's why lately we've been picking these breeds because we feel like if you are more aware of them, then that might be a chicken for you. Yeah. Yeah. If you have, you know, a big area where you can either watch or have a big run and you like this interesting chicken, you might be able to help them. I feel like you might want a little bit of experience dealing with very active chickens. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. you know, the Fayumis or something like that. This is a very smart chicken. Yeah. And it's an active chicken. They have a very real physical and emotional component to their needs. Well, it's like when you're young and you love going to the zoo. I still (laughs) kind of love going to the zoo, but I will say this. I don't like seeing animals in an enclosure. Mm -hmm. And I don't like seeing repetitive patterns from an animal in an enclosure because it means that basically their mind is kind of a little more mush now. They're doing repetitive behaviors. It's essentially coping mechanisms. And once you know that, it kind of makes it hard. Right. Animals can do things when they're in too much of a confinement. Now, Mm -hmm. this bird is known for that. I'm not sure exactly what happens when they're confined other than they're unhappy. I mean, that could manifest as depression. Yeah. It could manifest as bullying. Yeah. As feather picking. A lot of times when chickens are not happy, it does manifest as bullying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially smart chickens. Yeah. They will pick on other chickens very heavily. So that's the thing to watch out for. But there's so much neat stuff about this chicken. One of the most distinguishing features is that very visible large V-comb. And there's no crest behind it. So. Right. It it just looks. It's visible. Like a set of red horns. It looks like a devil (laughs) horn. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It just looks like horns sticking mm-hmm. up there. And along with the V-comb, they share that same large nostrilled skull of several of the other old European breeds, right. including the Polish, mm-hmm. the Houdan, the Breda, and the Crevcore. But they don't have the crest. The Breda has that small stick-up crest. Yeah. These guys maybe have a tiny bit of raised feather behind that. Very small. But I, I wouldn't call them crested either. No. That comb is like highly visible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is the main difference in appearance between all those European breeds and La Flesh is that La Flesh is not crested. The American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection cites the foundation breeds as the white-faced black Spanish. I can see that. The Crevcore, 
and another old French breed called the Dumans. Okay, I can really see the white face, black Spanish in the chicken. I agree. They have a very kind of stately carriage to them. It's the face, the earlobes, all of it together. Mm-hmm. Take away the comb factor. That's what you feel like you're looking and at. And then like the skull shape, the cavernous nostrils, yeah. the V-comb from the Crevcore. Yeah, I see Crevcore and I see the white face, black Spanish in this chicken. The Duman was probably added in to make them more of a dual-purpose breed, so this probably gives them some of their size. Yeah. That's my guess. So, La Flesh most likely arrived in the U.S. somewhere in the 1850s. Okay. They were included in the first printing of the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1874. So, a breed definitely in traditional usage in American history. There is one color recognized by the APA, and it's black. Mm-hmm. But we are finding some white. It looks like they're very rare, but we did find a few of them. Yeah. Yes, we yeah. did. Yep. So generally, you're going to find them in the black variety, but I think there's some white ones out there. Yeah, you're not going to have a breed standard for the white. No, but if you're lucky, that might be a, even more of a treasure. And we also found mention of bantams. Yeah. So there might be little pockets out there in the show community or something. The fact that there's more than one color and bantams, mm-hmm. potentially, right. is good. Yeah. They have slate-colored legs... Big white earlobes, which is probably from the black face, white Spanish. Yeah. Red faces, and they have these bright coppery red eyes. Oh, and they're looking at you. I know, right? The roosters have full flowing tails. And if you add that tail to their stately bodies and the long necks, you end up with a very refined but somewhat devilish looking bird. And a lot of things online, when you look them up, will kind of make fun at that. The devil bird. The devil bird Mm -hmm. with the pitchfork. It's basically the comb. I mean, yeah, the bee comb. Yeah. They're supposed to be reasonably heat hardy. Reports say they do not like damp cold. Who, Who does? does, right? <laughs> exactly. And even though we warned you early on that this is a smart chicken that needs stimulation, you can't let it get bored. All reports say that they actually do well in a mixed flock. With one caveat, only one rooster. Apparently, okay. you're not supposed to have more than one roo of this breed together. Yeah. Fights. Yeah, it doesn't go well. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. So they're not overly fond of being handled, mm-hmm. but not aggressive. Right. And roosters are about eight pounds. Hens are about six. So they're average to yeah. a little bigger. Like a st- average standard size chicken weight. Yeah. And like you said, we found them on website in bantam size. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. I don't have any information on how many bantams are out there. No. They're a fascinating chicken to me for a lot of reasons. I think they're really unique looking. I found a couple places that said there's supposed to be records of La Flesh as early as the 1500s. I didn't find any real documentation, just various sources that said they could be this old. Might be on a cave somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Devil horn chicken on a cave. Chicken with a devil horn. Little pitchfork. I find them a fascinating breed history-wise, just because that's a really old-looking chicken breed. It is. They don't make them like that anymore. It definitely has a look of Crevcore and white-faced black Spanish. Yeah, you can see it very easily. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. American poultry historian John Taggart. We have a new one. Yeah, his book is not as big. Let's just but say I that. Welcome this. Okay. I mean, Lewis was all over everything. Well, well, he's showing up in a minute. <laughs> oh, God. So, John Taggart, <laughs> back in 1888, wrote that he considered La Flesh one of the best French chickens for dual purposes. Well, they have the size. So right, they probably. do. He also considered them hardier than the Crevcore, but not as good as the Houdan. So both Taggart and Lewis Wright mention how popular La Flesh was as a showbird in the late 19th century. Lewis has got to get himself in there. The last couple birds we've done, he's really liked. <laughs> yeah, he did like them. Yeah. 
Lewis Wright also noted, though, that the earliest importations of La Flesh into the UK were not considered robust. And while breeders remedied this through each generation, they still never caught on as a super popular chicken. This is what I think. This chicken never caught on in popularity mm-hmm. across the board. And now it's in trouble. Right. Sometimes chickens like this, they fall between the cracks because no one knows about them. Very unique chicken. And the difference in today is that we can help these chickens by getting the word out Mm -hmm. that it's out there. Maybe if somebody realizes this chicken needs some help, they might want to get a breeding pair and start breeding. If you visit the Livestock Conservancy's website and you look at their essay on the La Flesh, They also mention another American author who wrote that the breed was delicate and did not fare well in the eastern and central U.S. in the 19th century. Okay. But maybe they did better in the deep south. Or maybe they just need a couple cozy coop eaters. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that's all they need. It's a bird that needs some help that fell through the cracks that no one really knows about. I mean, if I were interested in showing, I think this would be a really neat show bird. Look at them. Yeah, they're 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 really really cool. Yeah, they're very cool looking birds. They look different. If you want a bird that looks different than any other bird you have, this one might be for you. How much fun would it be naming them? Oh, Lord. Diablo. (laughs) There's so many things you could name them. Super fun. Oh, yeah. So, hens. They are good layers. Well, they fall in my average category. 150 to 200. Well, 200's pretty gosh darn good. It is pretty good, but that's my average. Well, there's some variability, apparently. 150 is the lower end, but I actually saw 200 plus yeah. in a few sources. So, And they don't go broody, which is good. I think in a mixed flock, if you want to hatch via broody, you mm-hmm. know which chickens to get. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not hatching, get chickens that don't go broody. Right. It right. will make your life a lot easier. Oh, yeah. Hens would make a nice addition to a layer flock, really. Yeah. They're not cuddly, but they have a nice temperament. They are calm as long as you give them ways to stay busy. Yeah. They need a lot of space and boredom busters. They fall into the category, and I'm seeing more of a repetitious kind of pattern to this, of chickens who need a little bit more assistance Mm -hmm. and chickens who need a little bit more word into them are falling through the cracks because they need the extra work. And somehow we have to reach out and grab them and put that work into them. So yeah. that we don't lose them. Right. They're not going to be the chickens that just sit in the backyard and you collect the eggs right. and that's it. You're going to need to put a little bit more into them. It might be fun to set up the boredom busters to make mm-hmm. a bigger run for them and make them a little bit more comfortable. I find them a fascinating breed. There is a La Flesh Breeders group on Facebook and they're reasonably active. I logged on to check and they do post. And honestly, everything we just said to you, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. These are the people you want to listen to. Yeah. And like we say, every chicken's a different individual, just like every yes. person. You could get a cuddly one. You right. don't know. You don't know. The breeders group would be a very good source for chicks, for hatching eggs and breeding stock. Mm-hmm. And just general maintenance. What does this chicken need? What do you find as a breeder is the truth about this chicken in, in modern day America? Right, exactly. You can also check the Livestock Conservancy's breeder directory. Sand Hill Preservation Center. They're, They're sold, sold out. out. They're sold out They're for sold this out. year, but they should have straight run chicks I mean, next year. Let's look at it this way. We are in August. Yeah. End of August. Yes. Chances of finding chicks right now are very small. It's definitely reduced. Some of the hatcheries will do a fall order, but most of them are finished. Now, my tractor supply usually has chicks all year round. I know. The Rural King by me also does. So, I mean, if it's a must that you must get a chick, 
most chick days are from March till I'd say June. I mean, there's two reasons for that. It's because it's warmer. Yeah, it's when, prime chick especially time, especially when you're going to integrate your chickens. Yeah. And the other reason is because people want them laying by the fall. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yep. So finding chicks right now that aren't sold out through a hatchery is going to be tough. Right. Right now, you should be making your wish list for mm-hmm. next year. And ones like this, I'd put in as quickly as you can in order for yes. next year. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's going to be not as many. And chicks like this, like I keep saying, conservation breeding projects. Right. Help this chicken out. In my mind, the best thing you could do, if you really, really want to get your hands on the flesh chickens right now, the best thing you could do is check out that breeders group and find out if someone has grow outs that they'd be willing to place. Yeah. You probably have to drive to get them. Yeah. I mean, if you want them that much, you're going to do the work. Then you'll make the road trip. Exactly. So that's La Flesh. It's another fascinating chicken with a really unique look. Yeah. Needs some help. If you have pictures, if you're one of these rare people that has them, mm-hmm. send us a story. We would love to see them. Yes. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Amazon.com or Nestera.us. Use our code CWTCLP10 for 10% off. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, take a look at Roosty's store on Amazon.com. We've personally tested their products and we're huge fans. They have their famous nesting pads, those fantastic chick water and feeder kits, do-it-yourself port feeder kits, water or nipple and water or cup kits. And you don't even need to drive to the stores. They're all available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon.com and check out the Roosty's range or follow the link in our show notes. So next we're going to our main topic. Yeah. Yeah. And we're bringing in a friend of ours to help us talk over grooming chickens. Grooming chickens. Yeah. We're going to talk to our good friend, Libby Siddle. Libby is a longtime chicken keeper with a ton of knowledge and she's super fun. Enjoy. This is Libby Siddle of Chickens to Your Door. Libby is an expert on all kinds of things poultry that wouldn't even occur to the normal person. Thank you so much, guys. Always a pleasure to be invited to uh, have a chin wag. So today we're going to talk about grooming chickens. It is important. <laughs> Nobody likes a scruffy chicken, Holly. So, like, <laughs> no, Nobody no. likes a scruffy chicken. No, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that are just starting out. And you know, there's a lot of do's and don'ts when it comes to grooming chickens. So I think it's our job to come on and put a few guidelines out so that mm-hmm. when you're looking for that information, it's out there. I couldn't agree more. And I think sometimes this is definitely one of those chicken subjects where less is more. Yes. And and, yeah. and I think as well that it's one of those subjects where we have to remember these are not dogs or cats. On the whole, Gertie, obviously not included in this, they do exactly. not live in our homes. So actually the standards perhaps that we would have for animals that live in our homes, it's possibly not the same. And if they choose, I think, to be a certain way and they're healthy, then actually a bit of live and let live, I think, guys. There are various levels of grooming. There's, you know, cleaning up somebody with poopy butt feathers. And then there's grooming for a show, which is a whole affair. And the one thing to keep in mind about chickens is that they have the uropygial gland. They have the preen gland at the base of their tail. 
And so when your chicken's preening, they're actually taking that oil and smoothing it onto their feathers. And if you wash them too many times, it comes off. Or if you use like a really caustic detergent, like Dawn dish detergent, it will strip the oil right off. That's what I want to clear up 100% right now, right here, because working in an animal hospital for 15 years and working with wildlife, a wild bird would come in and everyone say, get out the Dawn dish detergent. I don't know if in the UK, if you have Dawn dish detergent. We have fairy washing up liquid. So yeah, yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. And it's so abrasive and we would use it. And even in the veterinary world, when a duck would come in with something or a sparrow or some sort of bird, you'd get out the dawn. And now in reality, we learn this is too abrasive because it well, takes that oil completely off right. the feathers. The thing with dawn, I'm going to tell you two things that dawn are used for that should convince you that you should never wash a chicken with it. The first is that it's used to clean up wildlife that have been coated in- oil or petroleum products from an oil slick. The second thing is that Dawn is the go-to for scouring lanolin out of sheep's wool. Very strong. That's very strong. I will take my greasiest sheep and it will go in the sink with Dawn and Dawn will scour all that lanolin off. You do not want that on your chicken. The best point to bring is that they're basically self-cleaning in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have that oil gland in the back all over their feathers. It's protecting them from water going through the feathers. It's protecting everything. And they have their own dirt system of cleaning. Mm-hmm. They love the dust bath. Right. We love a dust bath, girls. I do love a dust bath. <laughs> and I, I think this is one of the things when people start keeping chickens initially and they kind of ask, Libby, what do I need? What do I need? And obviously, you know, we talk about the coop and the run. We talk about the feeder and the drinker and, and the feed. And people get very excited about the treats. And I think sometimes it's one of those very overlooked areas. But it's so important. So, so important, particularly at this time of year when red mite, which I know is much more of a UK thing than a US thing, thankfully, is around. But yeah, it's essential. What do you normally include in your dust bath, Libby? Now, this is going to be a bit contentious because actually here in the UK, we have very different thoughts about diatomaceous earth than you do over in the US. Okay. So diatomaceous earth is here in the UK still a very acceptable ingredient. And anybody who doesn't know what diatomaceous earth is, basically it's like a powdered clay. It's kind of a pale beigey colour. And on a microscopic level, it has really, really sharp particles, which are really good at scoring the exoskeleton of mites and lice and things like that, which is why it's so good. But actually it feels kind of a bit like talcum powder. It does. Um, it does. Un- until you rub your eye with a finger that has got diatomaceous oh, earth gosh. on it. And then you really feel just how abrasive those particles are. Now, it doesn't seem to cause any issue to the chicken skin so much, but there has been some research, and it is quite limited at the moment, on the respiratory effects of diatomaceous earth. So diatomaceous earth would be one thing. Wood ash, love yes. wood ash. Wood ash is, is one of my absolute favourites. So yeah. if you've got a wood burner or a chimney or a fire pit or whatever, um, then including that is fantastic. Sand, so a fine sand can be really good, but obviously it does need to be really dry. And then actually just sometimes a really dry sort of compost mm-hmm. or similar like that can be really good too. So those probably would be the four elements and, you know, in fairly equal parts as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the dust bath is so important for the chicken to be able to bathe themselves and to keep things clean. So sometimes if you're just seeing them and they look a little dirty, that's because they've already bathed. Isn't your favorite thing when you pick up a hen for whatever reason and she shakes and just clouds come Gertie. up? Gertie. <laughs> Gertie will go under the little Japanese maple and sit there for a half an hour straight 
You see the dirt flying. And then she walks back in the garage and shakes it all out on the garage floor. I'm like, could you not do this in the grass? So that's them cleaning themselves. And a lot of times you don't need to worry about that. And honestly, I have made dust baths and I have bought commercial dust bath powder that has all of these things in them. And I agree with all of them. Diatomaceous earth. I think that's a problem if there's a lot of it and your your head can't get away from it and she's inhaling it. I'll actually sprinkle them in the base of my nest boxes before I put the pads on. Because in theory, if there is a mite, it's going to be burrowing underneath the bedding and on the wood. So I'll sprinkle it under there. Love the wood ash. We cannot say enough good things about wood ash. The sand and the compost, same thing. Same here. Do you have to cover your dust baths there to keep them dry? Absolutely. So we have a few different things that we can use. So if you've got a raised chicken coop, obviously putting a dust bath underneath would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. If you've got a really thick hedge, something that's really large and really dense, so something like Lelandi, not that I'm suggesting anybody grows a Lelandi hedge for this reason, but if you happen to have one, (laughs) it pretty much doesn't matter how wet it gets. It's always dry under a Lelandi hedge. So those places do stay dry. We do things called poultry palaces, which is basically this kind of sort of domed thing, which I know you don't have in the US. And it's something no, that we so would, cool. I would love for you guys to have there because they are very cool. But to that be honest, cool. they're only sort of big enough really for a bantam to use. A full-size hen would struggle. But yeah, you would have to here in the UK because it does end up getting so wet. That is cool. Yeah. Now, we're saying that chickens don't need to be bathed, but sometimes they will get poopy hineys. They'll get some stuff on their vent feathers. Yes. A little bit, a little smattering isn't a problem. Right. I think we are talking like a full scale. Caked on mess. Yes. Absolutely. Because nobody likes to have fluffy bum bum, dirty fluffy bum bum feathers. No. No. And I think that's the time when you have to intervene. And there are different ways to do it. The way I do it is I get a Rubbermaid bin and I sit them in and I get three gallons of water that it's warm and I get like a pea size amount of very mild pet shampoo. Puppy shampoo. Puppy shampoo. Mm -hmm. Or even baby shampoo if you don't already have something like that. So if you've already got a baby or a toddler in the house, then that shampoo is really mild too. Something really mild that's not going to strip that oil off those feathers. I saw someone recommending vinegar. Don't wash your chicken's vent with vinegar. No, that could hurt. Don't do that either. That's not okay. That's acidic. That is going to sting. It could. So yeah, baby shampoo, puppy shampoo. And I just put some gloves on. Sometimes I don't. Sorry. But (laughs) clean that bed area up really well and then rinse. Just rinse, rinse, rinse and let it air dry. In the summer, I let it air dry. Mm -hmm. I did mention earlier that there's a super little YouTube clip that I think we would all benefit from hearing. Yes. So if anybody hasn't already seen this bunch of clips, there's a fantastic group of people called When Chickens Talk. And they did a very, very cool little set of videos about chicken behavior. I think this has got to be put in this moment here. So I'm just going to play it for you all. Hello, my name's Janet. I think it's very important for all chickens to have fluffy bum bum feathers. And I'd just like to tell you about my human. If I get dirty bum bum feathers, I get picked up ever so gently and I get taken into the house. And then I get put into a little bit of warm water. And then I get my feathers massaged around my bottom. And after that, if I'm lucky, I get a blow dry from the human's hair dryer on the cooler setting mine, not the hot one. And then I get back out in the garden with my lovely clean fluffy bum bum feathers. 
My name is Janet, and I like clean, fluffy bum bum feathers. Love it, love it, love it. That was a chicken who was being interviewed there called Janet. I think we have to all agree she really couldn't have put it any better. And I think she has a valid point. In all seriousness, there's lots of issues about chickens having really dirty bottoms and about just leaving it. Yeah. So one is that obviously it is really, really unpleasant for the chicken. Yes. And it's kind of one of those things that kind of spirals a bit, that if that area is very dirty, it attracts flies and Mm -hmm. um, it just gets kind of nasty. For them, I think psychologically, because chickens love to be super clean all the time, I think oh, that's yeah. just really upset them. And I've noticed, and I'm sure you guys will completely agree with this, sometimes you'll have a hen who does have quite a dirty bum and then you'll get her all cleaned up and just instantly, she just kind of seems just so much happier and just so much more sorted health-wise. For sure. It's like when we all put makeup on, we're like, oh yeah, where's the paparazzi? <laughs> they definitely love to have a clean vent area and you can definitely see a difference. Especially now when half the world is bloody blazing hot. You have a very real risk of fly strike if you let that sit around your chicken's vent. I mean, flies love that area anyway. And the other thing is it irritates the skin. There's bacteria in bowel movements. It definitely will sit on the skin and create irritation in the skin. That is a problem that with grooming, if it's not groomed, it will cause health problems for sure. I've had some, I don't know if it's a physical thing, but a lot of times stuff just sticks Sometimes they you know, don't arch their backs yeah, enough. And it just and sticks. It just, if I don't notice it right away, it dries on there and it's hard as a rock. Yeah. And so a lot of times I have to take small, sharp scissors and cut. Yeah. A, a yeah little I agree with that. There. Yeah. Just cutting to just underneath. Because what I found, fortunately, we very rarely ever get this as an issue. If anything, it'll be things like silkies, because of course their feathers are so fluffy. And sometimes they'll have actually just a little bit of poop that will just genuinely stick. And then of course it all just sort of gathers. Yeah. There's no health issue. It's just that they've just got off to a bit of a bad start. But don't you find sometimes you get a bit of burn on the skin? Yeah. It can, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yep. So that's why we're saying like cutting the feathers around just a little bit and grooming with a very, very mild shampoo. I know that Green Goo here in the States makes a poultry shampoo. Mm -hmm. Every time that we have looked on their site to get it, it is sold out. So I know it's a big seller, but it's legit made for poultry. You don't even always need soap. There have been plenty of times, like my Brahma Eclair, who again is massively fluffy, and she'll have crop trouble off and on, and sometimes I'll need to wash her. I put her in the giant kitchen sink with the hand sprayer, glove up and just spray the feathers yeah. until they're clean. Yeah. Sometimes you need heavy duty and you need shampoo. You need a but, little bit of shampoo sometimes. But sometimes you can just do it with warm water and that doesn't strip the feathers. It can work really well and not too warm. Chickens don't like really hot no. water. And in the summertime, there is no need to blow dry. They will dry in the air. Unless. 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 Like if you put one of the fluffies out and they're completely wet, they'll just get crap all over Uh, themselves. I usually let them stay with me for a little while before Uh I put them back out. I'll give them extra treats because I'm like, okay, you got traumatized in a bath. So I'll give you some (laughs) treats. But in the winter, it's a must. You can never have a chicken with a chill with wetness. So if you're bathing in the winter, you need to come in, use the blow dryer, get Mm -hmm. them feeling nice and fluffy and warm again before they go back out because that can definitely cause some major problems. Right. And really, when it comes to your pet chickens, your backyard chickens, your hobby flock, cleaning butt feathers is probably the number one reason you're going to be bathing. There there aren't a lot of other good reasons unless your kid's going to be showing your bird at the state fair or something like that. There are lots of resources online for people who show birds. There are tips and tricks for making the birds extra shiny. 
So let's move on to nails because I know nails. that's the thing somebody will always be asking about. Those nails look long. Now, if you have your chickens in an area where they can scratch a lot, mm-hmm. they kind of wear their nails down. Mm-hmm. But their nails are kind of like cat's nails almost or dog. They have a quick, they have the vein that grows up into oh, the yeah. nail. Rabbit nails are very similar too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you need to trim with a little nail trimmer, the very edge off, if they're getting too long, you can do that also. Now you have experience with spurs, Holly. Yeah. I do not. And this is a little bit of a pet peeve for me. And this is me talking with all of my years of chicken experience. A lot of people will say the best method to remove a spur from a rooster is called the hot potato method. Oh, it's where you microwave a potato. It's super steamy. You put it on the spur. You're not supposed to let it touch the rooster's leg, but you put it on the spur for a couple minutes and then it kind of kills that outer keratin layer and you can twist it off. Oh, Any vet I've ever told this to has said, no way should you be doing this to a rooster. You really, really do risk burning them. Wow. You risk damaging the inner core of the spur when you twist the keratin off. I use the same clippers I use on my sheep feet. Yeah. And we candle the spur to find the vein. We'll have the rooster in front of us up at eye level. Pete will put a light behind that spur so we can see where the vein is. And then I will take small cuts off the spur. Like trimming a nail. Exactly. And then we round it. We file it to roundness. If you have a fancy tool like a cup burr, you can do it with that. Yeah. Or you can just do it with an emery board or a a piece of fine grade sandpaper. Mm -hmm. The reason you take small cuts is because, especially with the big guys, the spur can splinter. Oh, yeah. So you have to be careful and take the small cuts. I have to say, though, in eight years of having the chickens at the house, I have never once had to trim a chicken nail. We have a lot of rock in this area, so I think they yeah. just naturally wear Have you, down. Libby, have you trimmed nails? No, I must admit, doing toenails is my big kind of bugbear. We do a lot of fluffy-footed phantoms. So I'm thinking pecans and silkies are really guilty of this. All our sock is really biosecure, so we keep them in a barn. And we have a very absorbent litter but sometimes we end up with a little bit of a toe ball situation and they're only mm-hmm. really small, but it's one thing that I always check for before any of our birds leave that we remove any toe balls. So if people don't know what toe balls are, they're basically like little balls of muck which just accumulate and they go quite hard and they're always quite right at the end of the toes. You do have to be really careful when you're removing those because if you're not careful and it's a very large one and it's very hard and you pull too hard, you can pull the nail off and that would be awful. I think if you know it's small and you know you can get it off carefully, then great. Toenail clippers are really good at breaking them down. But if in doubt, soak it first and then just soften that ball and then remove them. It will make a big difference to how well the chicken can walk, depending on whether it's got the toe balls or not. So it's one thing, particularly with fluffy footed things that I would be looking for. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's another thing where grooming goes back to it can cause a medical problem. So you have to be up on the grooming. Grooming's not just about making them look pretty. It's about keeping their health so that they're not having problems. You know what? One of the reasons I love talking to you ladies who are so experienced with chickens is because you say things like toe balls. (laughs) Because it's a thing and we all know it's a thing. We've all seen it, but you don't commonly hear that reference. But it's a thing. And you know, as soon as you see one, you know, that is a toe ball. (laughs) And I'll tell you where your listeners will probably see toe balls a lot is when they go by their chicks from the hatcheries or from track supply, wherever they get them from, quite often you will be bringing your little babies home with toe balls. Now, a couple of issues, of course, with that. Apart from the fact that it's quite hard for these little ones to walk because they've got these kind of big clumps of dirt on the end, is that obviously from a biosecurity point of view, that isn't great. 
So it's one of those things that I would completely be checking. And, you know, I think to give their little feet a little wash before you bring them in certainly wouldn't be a bad idea if you were going to be mixing them with other chicks. That's true. Yeah. Like a little foot dip. You could yes, mm, that's something awesome. gentle. Yes. Because they're little ones. Yeah, but, but yeah. like I said, you know, even just washing with water would get rid of a lot of stuff. So that would be good. Yeah. There's another thing that we want to address, and that is wing clipping of chickens. We do not recommend that you trim any chicken wings. I don't see a good reason for it. I don't see a reason for it. Parrots, they're a different story when you do it. It's more of a safety issue with parrots because parrots are very small bodied. Even the bigger parrots are smaller. If you take them outside, they're going to fly away. Chickens, there really is no reason to be doing it. Well, it's different in the UK where you have nowhere near the amount of large aerial predators that we have. So here we recommend you have your run covered anyway, or if you're free ranging your chickens, make sure they have a lot of cover. But here's the thing. If I have chickens outside and a predator does come and I've clipped wings, it makes no sense. My chickens can't fly to get away. Right. Wing clipping, I think, here in the UK is much more common. We have many, many less predators. Birds of prey are a bit of an issue in some areas, but probably out of 100 birds that are predated, maybe one will be by a bird of prey. The other 99 will be foxes, badgers and dogs. We personally do recommend wing clipping. So let's just be really clear what wing clipping is, because this is completely different to winning pinioning, which is something that happens with ducks, which is where the last joint, if you like, on the wing from the sort of tip working back towards the body is actually sort of restricted. This is something different. So this is where you would be cutting the primary and all the secondary feathers, usually on one wing to prevent them from flying. Now, here in the UK, we tend to use electric poultry netting, I think, a lot more than you guys do. So when I see US poultry setups and back garden setups, you guys tend to have the kind of six foot by three foot panels that are kind of stood on the end. So this little six, seven foot high. We don't tend to have that so much. It's much, much more common for people to have a system that's three foot high. Now, the three foot high system works really well if it's electrified and it stops dogs, badgers and foxes coming in. It's really awful at keeping chickens in, though. <laughs> so uh, uh, what yeah. we do tend to find is, particularly with hybrid hens, that they can fly over that. I don't actually think that wing clipping is going to prevent a ambitious hybrid hen from jumping over it anyway. I think you're absolutely right. If you're going to take responsibility for that bird and say, right, one of the things I'm going to do as part of the five freedoms for animals is to keep you safe from predators then you need to take that really, really seriously right? and make sure that you do that. Because if you then wing clip, then basically you're taking away their own ability to do it. That is our problem with it. Right. If, If you take away those wings, their ability to get away, even if they start flapping, the only thing they can do is run and that's not going to get them away from anything. Mm -mm. So they have to be in an area where nothing can get Right. You need to do one or the other. You either need to make them Fort Knox or if you choose to free range, if you choose to take that risk, you need to leave their natural abilities to evade predators in place. Yeah. I feel like that is the only reason that you would be clipping wings is so that they can't fly out of an enclosure but you have to be really sure that nothing can get into that enclosure absolutely. and then they don't have in the from, ability to get away. the top or, or underneath, absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the, the grooming questions that I tend to get here in the UK that we haven't already covered, and I'm interested to hear your guys' views on this, is beak trimming. So sometimes, particularly with some of our little banties who maybe have been kept in the barn, they haven't been outside yet because they're just coming to their new homes. 
we find that that extra little piece of beak that's growing past the quick can be quite long. And I would say to anybody, if you feel that bit of beak is a bit sharp and a bit long and is preventing the beak from closing properly. So with a proper beak, then in theory, the top part of the beak should come over the bottom part of the beak. It's absolutely fine to get a pair of nail clippers and an emery board and just to, just to sort that out. And generally, once they are in their eventual homes, then that's fine. Likewise, I think if you see that the beak is starting to split, have you guys ever seen this before? So you have the quick and it's all fine on the top. And then actually the bit that's past it, almost like the white of your fingernail, has actually gone sort of slightly left and right. Yeah. So I think, I think I- that's a really good occasion when I would say that having a little trim there would be great. But if it's something that you guys don't feel or, or our listeners don't feel that they can cope with, you should always feel that you can go back to the person you bought your hen from and ask them to do it for you. And, and here, a veterinarian would do it for you, too. We used to do it all absolutely. the time. A lot of parrots would come in mm-hmm. to have their beaks trimmed. And we actually use a rotary file. It's like a yeah. tiny Dremel. Yeah, yeah. like a Dremel. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Just And that's what we would do in the vet office. Like you said, I think that's exactly what we always say to have a nice pair of clippers that you can use for those things, because essentially the beak and the nails are all keratin and that kind of material. Anyway, it's going to work. If your bird can't eat because the beak's too long, you need to take a look at it. Right, Absolutely. I see that in the nankin sometimes. With them, beaks and toenails grow very quickly. So I've had to do some toenail clipping on them which is kind of horrible because they're, they're like tiny, little tiny wire. But the beaks, I just gave them natural stuff to wear it down. In general, I have no issues with people trimming beaks for health reasons because it's too long, because they can't eat, whatever. I would just caution, be extremely careful. I've heard too many stories about people just cavalierly cutting a beak. Oh, not realizing how many nerves are in the... I mean, that's how they navigate their world with their beak. The thing to remember about beak trimming is it's exactly like the nails. When that keratin like grows out, there's a vein inside of there. So you more don't, than one vein. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go anywhere near the blood source in the beak. Mm-hmm. So you have to take just a tiny bit of the end off and then file it around. Mm-hmm. Just take tiny bits at a time because you never want to make it bleed. It can happen, but you don't want to make it bleed. The other time you might come up with something like that is I had Ricardo Montalban, the rooster, not the actor. Ricardo was so large that he was kind of clumsy with the ladies sometimes. And he went to jump on his favorite lady, Esther, and she pitched forward and he pitched forward and his beak got snagged on the chain link. They were in a chain link. And so it tore up the side. So I had to very, very gently with small nail clippers, clip the excess away and then treat it until it grew back. And it was fine. It did grow back. But like you were saying, it's keratin and just like a fingernail can break, the beak can break too. Here's the thing. If you're trimming anything, this is something we had at our tip of the day for a a while ago. Mm -hmm. You need quick stop powder because this is a powder or you can use cornstarch. That's a natural thing. It works at a pinch, yeah. Quick stop powder is something that you can put on either the nail, the beak skin. It stops the bleeding right away. Nail quick can bleed a lot. Yes. We recommend the powder versus the sticks because I've used the sticks before in the hospital. Mm -hmm. They sting really, really badly. The powder tends not to sting them. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to have around if you're going to have to trim. 
I have seen the quick stop stuff before. We do something kind of similar, which is like an antibacterial powder. So does the quick stop have an antibacterial agent in it? Do you know? I don't think I it don't does. I don't think it does. No, that would be nice. That is, it's just a coagulant. Literally helps it Silver fly, nitrate. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Silver is very good as an antibacterial, isn't it? Yep. So yeah, maybe, maybe that would work. In fact, that's what we recommend for bacteria. Silver ointment. Yeah, yeah. silver ointment. The silver nitrate has the chemical effect where it stops the bleeding. It's always good to have around. Because Lucy, my leghorn, has a huge comb. Well, sometimes she puts herself in a situation and she gets packed and they pack the comb. So I go in there and I'm like, oh my goodness, oh, those, blood those everywhere. Big Mediterranean combs. It's like a bloodbath sometimes when she gets nicked. So I was glad I had the silver nitrate powder because oh, that's the only thing that stopped it. That's another time you might want to wash a chicken. Yes. If blood. they get blood, because you don't want that attracting bugs or other chickens. Yes. <laughs> Generally, most of the time, you don't need to do a full body bath on a chicken. No. If you do, just again, make sure you use super mild shampoo and dry them if it's chilly outside and try not to do it too often. Really, it's pretty simple. Yeah, I definitely agree with all these things, guys. I think, you know, it's like I said at the beginning, less is more really, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, these chickens are not going to look to the same standards that you and I would keep ourselves or even our cats and dogs. But this is an animal that lives outside and can make choices. And I think they would be choosing to use dust baths and to be a little bit dusty. Because I think what people need to understand is what that dust bath does is it absorbs the excess oils and the dirty oils that are produced and sort of sloths that away way and then when the clean oils go on obviously they've got a clean base on which to go so this is more if in doubt leave them to it i think i totally agree with you and that's where things like the wood ash and the diatomaceous earth in the dust bath help because they are a good preventative for mites and lice your chickens generally know what they need you know let them go do their bathing they know what they need a lot of the the time the only time intervention needs to come into play is when you're stopping something from becoming a medical problem a mass of poop on the vent, or if a nail is too long, it might get stuck right. in something or it breaks. Need to be prepared for those things. They're beautiful just as they are, dust and all. They are. Dust and all. We're so glad that you came on with us to talk some grooming chickens uh-huh. and catch up. Truly such a wonderful friend that we've met through all of this. For always and forever. <laughs> and I can't wait to come visit you. Absolutely. And have some wine. And- because that's and, what we oh, need for yeah. this discussion. <laughs> that's, I have to say, that's the only thing, guys. Christmas in the UK is a bit of a damp squib of an affair, really. It's wonderful in many respects because we do love the holidays. But uh, yeah, the kind of snowy gorgeousness that every American Christmas film seems to have is something that we're lacking here. <laughs> but, you know, hey-ho. Okay, so we will talk to you soon. Thank you again, Libby, for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. We just want to thank Libby one more time for a really, really fun discussion. Some of those little details you just don't think about, especially when you're new to chickens. And a fun happy hour. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) We laugh so much with Libby. She's hilarious. Okay, so let's move on to... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Okay, so today we are doing... Mango nectar cake. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, this is a recipe that I dreamed up because I had mango nectar. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And because I love mango. And it I uses mean, four eggs, man. It does. It also uses a cake mix, which That's okay. is generally not what I do, but sometimes you got to whip out a cake mix. This is what I think about cake mixes. It's all your dry ingredients just put together for you already. I definitely feel that with the gluten-free cake mixes. I mean, essentially, they've sifted all the flowers yeah. together for you. And I mean, what's you know. the harm in it if it saves you some time mm-hmm. and mess? 
Do you right. know how much mess sifting all that stuff together creates? Yeah, because I do it. I know. <laughs> so I'm saying if you want a weeknight dessert or cake for your family. Mm-hmm. If you are into Southern baking and say you were a baker during the 80s and 90s, you know, like every church or every region put out their own cookbook, you would see a million different versions of apricot nectar cake. Yeah. Well, this is loosely based on that. Yeah. It's usually a bundt cake. I've made this as a layer cake too, though I made a coconut frosting for it. I turn most of my cakes into a bundt cake. (laughs) If you're trying to save the calories of icing, a bundt cake is the way to go. Yeah. I actually made the mango nectar cake as a naked cake. Okay. And I just put this soft and delicious coconut filling between the layers and I took it to a baby shower. Okay. And one of my cousins ate three pieces of it. (laughs) It is really, really good. Anyway, you want a yellow cake mix, either gluten-free or regular, whichever you want. And then you want mango nectar. And if you have trouble finding mango nectar, if you have a Latino section in your grocery store, you can usually find it there. Oh, definitely. You want half a cup of oil, four large eggs, and a teaspoon of either lemon or vanilla extract. Okay, that's a a wide range here because vanilla and lemon have Mm -hmm. two totally different tastes. Yes. When I make this, I usually use vanilla extract. When I made it with the lemon extract, I did a lemon glaze on it. Oh, okay. And that was to really good. Other, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was really good. But I generally make it with the vanilla extract. It looks like we're just combining everything, mixing it all up, and then pouring it in our pans. Yeah. You're making one bowl. Yeah, 350. Yeah. If we were looking back at that cookbook from a while ago, we... <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have a lot of those cookbooks from the 80s and 90s. I won so many cakes like that, spinning the wheel. Spin the wheel, make a deal? <laughs> Spin the wheel, put your quarter on a number. Yeah. What, like in little carnivals and stuff like that? So get this. Joe and I first started dating. We went to St. Clair's Spring Festival. St. Clair's is where I went to elementary I know. school. And you remember they used to have the spring fling yeah, like outside. Yeah. We rode the Ferris wheel. And then, of course, Joe being Joe, we go over to the old ladies doing the yes, cake wheel. The cake wheel. Everybody had to bake a cake. Uh-huh. And they had like 10 cakes sitting there. Yeah. Well, we must have end up putting like 10 bucks and quarters until we walked away with one of those cakes. <laughs> Which one did you get? Do you remember? I don't remember, but he was so happy. He's like, we want a cake. And I'm like, we sat there for a half an hour. Like, okay, put it on five. Put it on nine. Oh, put God. It on That's hilarious. Those things were always fun. They were fun. Yeah. I remember, I think the year I was in kindergarten, they had a really big one. And my mom won me a tea set. Yeah. I love when you, you spin, know, it was a little kid's tea set. Yeah, yeah. you spin the wheel, put yep. your quarter on a number. Uh-huh. St. Clair's used to also have the skating around the basement, like skate lane. Yeah, yeah. I went to those all the time with Tiffany. That was our gymnasium. <laughs> yes. That like everything was in there. In later years, we ate lunch in there. Anytime there was a dance, it was in there. Any assemblies were in yeah. there. Yeah, everything was in there. And I will never forget. It was like a green and brown checkerboard floor. Good times. <laughs> they put four chairs, like the corners, and then you skated around. Yeah, they made it like a skating <laughs> ring. Yeah, That's yeah. crazy. I know we got off subject, but... Well, little did we know when we were in the basement of St. Clair's <laughs> Auditorium that we were going to be doing chickens. <laughs> that we were going to be doing chickens and that this cake would be excellent at a fair. So this is a super easy, super delicious mango nectar cake. If you really don't like mango, you can use a different kind of nectar. You can use any nectar you want to use. Mango is the way to go, though. I love myself some mango. Delicious. Though. Okay, so try it. Send us pictures if you do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Retail therapy this week. Since we talked about grooming with Libby and all the different things, we decided our retail therapy, we were going to look into pre-made dust bathing powders. Yeah, we found four of them. 
I stumbled across one of them at the Walmart, actually, which was pretty funny. <laughs> I was I snapped a picture and sent it to you. You also, yeah, texted me. You're like, can you believe that Walmart has a dust bathing dust powder? Dust bathing powder, yeah. I was like, yeah, chickens are totally mainstream now, yes. man. So we looked at the powders. They all have a couple of things in common. And you can also get a hold of these ingredients and make your own mix if you want to. You can. We have one that is kind of our fave. Yes. Because it is 100% natural. Yes. And we love this. And it was formulated with the idea that, like Libby was saying, Mm -hmm. a lot of the dust bathing, they're trying to get rid of excess oil. Right. They're trying to get rid of excess oil that they've put on their feathers from their preen gland, your epigeal gland. Yes. So our favorite is... Strong Animal Chicken Essentials. Now, Strong Animal Chicken Essentials, we love this company because everything is 100% natural. That's why we asked them to be our sponsors. That's (laughs) why we love them. You can't go wrong with something that you feel so good about right? that you would kind of roll in yourself because there's nothing in it. I would not roll in this myself. (laughs) The smell might tempt me, but no, I would not. No, I wouldn't either. But this has peppermint in it. And then something called zeolite. And zeolite is like a natural mineral dust Mm -hmm. and it's absorbent. So that right there is going to help you. It has citronella oil, which is going to help turn their whole body into a bug repellent. Yeah, actually it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, citronella, I planted citronella back there, Mm -hmm. the herb, to try to get bugs to stay away in itself. It has diatomaceous earth. I have used diatomaceous earth from the very beginning with my chickens. Yeah. And common sense should dictate that anything fine and powdery like that, you do not inhale. You don't want your animals to inhale. So if you use it carefully, not in huge amounts... Libby talked about this, that it's contentious here. There are a few people who are big detractors of diatomaceous earth. There are. I am not a detractor of it at all. I do use it. What I don't like is when people think they can cure a mite infestation with it. Right. Any kind of dust like this, you never want to inhale. You don't want your animals to inhale. But if you're putting it under bedding or under bedding in nest boxes or in the dirt. Right. And that's the whole thing. It's going to be okay. We will say there's a caveat with all four of these. Yeah. And that is that we would probably add more dirt and sand to them. Yes. And wood ash, no doubt. We always put wood ash. Yes. That's going to knock down the amount of diatomaceous earth right there, probably make it less dusty. Yeah. It's going to make it less dusty. It's going to keep it down a little bit more. But there is a place for it. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I mean, any farm store you go to still sells it. People still buy it. It just drives me crazy when someone says, I have a lice infestation. I'm going to use diatomaceous earth because you're not going to get rid of all the lice that way. You're simply not. But that's a whole other thing. We have an episode on it. Yes. So our next brand is Lixit. That's your famous one that you found at That's Walmart. That's what I found at Walmart. Actually, it comes in this cute tub that has chickens on it. And also <laughs> you can get it through Chewy too. So that one is made with diatomaceous earth and then something like the zeolite. It's made with another natural mineral dust that's absorbent. This one's a little less expensive. Yeah. Let's just say Strong Animal Chicken Essentials, that one's around 25. They Mm -hmm. run usually between- 20 and 30. 20 and 30. So this one- And that's um, another good reason to put your own additives in there. Yeah. You can make them stretch a little bit more Mm -hmm. like we were saying. Yeah. This one on Chewy is 16- but you have to also look at your quality of ingredients. And, and the make sizes sure too. Yeah. They do come in different sizes. So our third is Little Farmer. Yes. And that was another chewy. Mm-hmm. And that has the clay in it. Right. So it has a mineral clay for absorbency. It has diatomaceous earth. Yes. And a different herb. Yes. Rosemary. Which smell really good. The herbs are so important in chicken care, Mm -hmm. which we have always said over and over again. That's why you plant herbs around your Mm -hmm. chickens. They can get benefits from eating them, from rolling in them. Right. The scents, the oils from the herbs all help them. 
Rosemary is another one for bug repellent. Yeah, it has a nice strong scent to it. I think a lot of that, that's why the herbs are in the dust baths. I feel like a dust bath is crucial to your hen's health, as we said back in the main topic. But it also falls under the important category to us of preventative care. Oh, heck yes. I mean, that's why they're doing that's it. That's why they're doing it. if by chance one got on them, mm-hmm. they dust bathe, that's going to take care of one. It probably should, yeah. It's not going to take care of an infestation. No. But this is how they bathe themselves. Yeah. And it's important to find something that you really like that's yes. going to work for yep. you. Like we said, you can make up your own. You don't even have to buy one of these pre-made. Sometimes it's good to start with a pre-made and mm-hmm. add the extras to right. it. Right. You, you figure th- out what works best for your chickens, yes. what you like, what's in your price range, all of these things. The final is fresh coop. Yes. The thing about fresh coop is that it says that it's 100% diatomaceous earth, but it also has calcium bentonite in it, mm-hmm. which is another mineral clay. Right. And that's supposed to stop it from being so dusty yes. and also from clumping. Yes. If you have diatomaceous earth in your dust bath, you have got to keep it from getting wet. Yes. Because once it gets wet, it's desiccant properties. The things that help to kill lice and mites and other insects. It's it. They don't work anymore. Yeah, they're done. They're wet. They're done. So keeping your dust bath in an area, my chickens use under the coop. Mine too. So that's always true. If I don't give them something under the coop, they make it. Oh, yeah. They're going <laughs> to dig and dig and dig and yes. they're going to do it. That's where they're always doing the dust bathing. Mm-hmm. This is something that you can add little bits at a time to that dirt to help make the bath a little bit more luxurious for them. When the strong animal chicken essentials, it says a spa day for your chicken. That's right. Do you have a favorite out of these four? My favorite strong animal Mine chicken. Mine too. I really like the, the zeolite in there. I love that the peppermint oil, the citronella mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Both things work together and absorb the odors, help with the oil, everything. And even though we're doing retail therapy right now, I just want to mention wood ash one more time. Yeah. The thing with wood ash, you cannot cure a full infestation of mites with diatomaceous earth, but you can get pretty close with wood ash. Just great for chickens. And it will smother mites. Yes. So that's another one you don't want to get wet for a whole variety of reasons. Well, I have no problem having wood ash because I live with a man who loves a fire in the backyard. Yeah. We don't usually have fires that often at my house. You should take some of ours. I could take some of yours, but my mom, they use their wood burning fireplace because in the farmhouse, it gets chilly. Yeah. So I just use what's in the fire pit in the back Mm -hmm. and just throw it under the coop for them. Yeah. You can't go wrong with wood ash. No. These products add something. You can really make them stretch. You just need to add little bits at a time. Mm-hmm. And like Strong Animal Chicken Essentials creates a spa day for your chicken. That's right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week. Oh, it's the final week in August. It's my anniversary week. That's right. 25 years. Man. Man, Pete and I, we're coming up on our fourth wedding anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> we're the old married couple. <laughs> yes. So our breed spotlight next week is the Rhode Island Red. We're re-looking at the yeah. Rhode Island Red. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Our main topic is flock dynamics. I love this topic Specifically, too. the science behind pecking how your order. pecking order is established. Yeah, it's really interesting. Our recipe is Greek-inspired tuna burgers. Mm-mm. Uh-huh. And retail therapy is vintage chicken cookie jars. We all have some. That is a dangerous road to go down, my friend. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. What should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them, too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, 
please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.